Hey Balloon Artist Podcast Nation, this is season 7, episode 7, and uh, this is really the last episode of the year coming out at the end of December. Really excited about the end of the year summary that I'm working on uh, that I will share at the end of the season, plus like 2019, so many challenges ahead. The interviewee of today, Trip Jansen, when I first saw his balloon rocket ship where he basically it's like a balloon bag it's a rig made to look like a rocket ship i thought well this guy is probably like 20 years into the in this journey turns out that no trip is in his first years making him very suitable to be in this season i hope you enjoyed the interview with trip see you at the other end take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper into what truly makes a professional balloon artist with your host Zivi Kivi. Now, welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello and welcome to Balloon Artist Podcast. This is season number seven and in this season we're talking with balloon artists that are emerging, that are inspiring, that are in their first years. And today's episode is an interview with Trip Johnson. I was surprised you were so new in the arena of balloon art. Your name is familiar. Your work is something that I've noticed. And so like you definitely one of the meteors that we have many of those people that are just growing so fast in this lovely industry. And Trip, I'll just introduce you a bit and then I'll let you share with us your story. You are a balloon artist from Washington State, from the Coma area, from Lakewood. You've been into balloons for two and a half years. You have a daughter that is eight years old. What's up, Trip? How are you? What's up, Zivi? I'm doing great. Man, you've been through quite a trip inside Balloonland with all of your just stunning, stunning setup of the way that you do balloons. So before we talk about that, do you mind sharing with us how did balloons find you? Balloons found me in probably the weirdest way. I built a replica canine. It's a robot from Doctor Who from the uh, 80s Tom Baker years. And it, it looks like an upside down gray box. And I built that just for a, a Comic-Con as a prop to drag around behind me. It worked really great. It uh, got a lot of attention. I got invited to bring it to a maker's fair and show it off. And so I put some clear panels on it so the kids could see inside. And I brought it to a maker's fair and spent uh, the day showing it off to the kids and the parents. And the parents recognized who it was and loved it. The kids, they hadn't seen the show, most of them, but they liked, you know, it was a robot dog. But the one theme throughout the day was, what else does it do? What else does it do? What else does it do? These kids have grown up with iPads and iPods and, and handheld video games. And so this rolling box wasn't high-tech enough for them. And they kept asking, what else does it do? And it does all the stuff that the TV show version did, but it just wasn't enough for them. There was, you know, there was something missing. And so at the end of the day, I was kind of disheartened by that. And I, I told my wife, it's got to do something different. It's got to do something funny, fun that the kids will like. It doesn't have to be something that they ever did in the show. And I had recently taken my daughter to the zoo and we bought one of those uh, little 
toy bubble guns. You put the bubble fluid in it and you squeeze the trigger and a little fan blows the bubbles out and shoots bubbles everywhere. And I thought, that'll be great. I'll put it in his butt. He'll fart bubbles. My wife hated the idea, hated the idea. Everyone I've told loved the idea, laughed hysterically. My wife refused to let me do it. I mean, just wouldn't do it. So about a week or two went by and I decided that you know, I had to come up with something. I had a small air compressor, kind of like a Magaloon pump or something. It's, it's a little pump from car. You plug it into your cigarette lighter and pump up your tires. And I decided, oh, I'll stick that in him and I'll get some of those strange balloons that the clowns use and, and I'll learn how to twist a dog. That's what I did. And the next place I took it to was the Big Maker's Fair in Seattle at the Museum of Popular Culture. And for two days, I twisted just dog after dog after dog after dog. And the kids loved it. The parents loved it. And it's set up so that there's a little button on his back that the kids push. And I hold the balloon to its mouth and it inflates the balloon. And then I twist it, you know, tie it off and twist it into whatever. And I did that for about a you know a year, just doing it as giving them away, taking them into different things. Along the same time, I uh, stopped working, doing the assembly work that I was doing, and I was trying to find another job that wasn't as far away. And I stumbled on the uh, balloon distractions Craigslist ad saying twist balloons in restaurants for tips. And I thought, well, okay, I need something and. I'd seen how much the kids were excited by the balloons. So I gave the guy a call and here I am. Wow. So do you still walk through balloon distractions these days? No, I, uh, I stopped doing that a few months back. I didn't like, and I still don't, I didn't like the idea of going up to people. Their whole thing is you got to hit people right after they've ordered and before they've got food. and. In certain restaurants, that worked, but it has to be slow enough to where there's that spacing and then you get caught up with a big crowd and then you miss tables or you get there. It just didn't work for me. I didn't like the, the whole setup. So what do you do these days with balloons? I still do one restaurant. I work just for tips. I took over from another twister, but I set up outside the restaurant in their lobby. So, and I have a sign that says, they don't pay me. I'm just working for tips. And that's just primarily as, a, as kind of a marketing thing. They do give me food, but it's not enough to really make it worthwhile. But I've gotten a lot of gigs out of that. A lot of people have contacted me from that location. So it's, it's working. Tipping culture is so different in different countries. Like, for example, in Israel, where I live, If you would give away the balloons this way and ask for a tip, you might end up the entire day with maybe uh, 20 bucks for an entire day, for an entire like uh, evening uh, in a restaurant. But I know tipping culture in America, in the States is different. How is it in Washington for you? Like what would be an average take home from tips from one night? You know, it really depends on the night. As far as like how busy it is, I have a, you know, like I said, I still have a sign that says I don't, I'm not working for the restaurant, that I'm just working for tips and suggested three to five dollar tip per sculpture. And then I have a five dollar bill stuck in my tip jar so that it 
there's nothing in there. At least they see that. And that tends to keep it mostly fives. And it runs anywhere from 80 to 100 and I think the best was like 180, 80 to 180 in a four-hour, three to four-hour shift. So you started with this building of a dog sculpture, like an, a physical Comic-Con style dog that you've created. And starting with this idea of putting the bubbles in its rear end, which is uh, funny and scary at the same time for me. I can relate with both your friends and your wife, to be frank with you. And eventually you made it into a, a dog that creates balloon dogs, which just the concept of it is it blows my mind. It's really a funny story and I can see why kids loved it. But how did you reach the position where you have the capabilities to build such a pretty sculpture, like a setup, the setup itself that you've created, even with the dog? You know, nowadays you use spaceship setup, which is phenomenal. But how did you reach the point where you built things like that? Well, um, <laughs> Before I started doing balloon twisting, that was uh, I was a mechanical assembler. My last actual job was putting together the uh, wheel wells for 747s for a uh, subcontractor for Boeing. So I would just take these pieces that somebody else had made that, and then put them on a special jig and drill them and, and rivet them together. And before that, I was putting together water jet tables. And the, <laughs> the, the job I had back in Vermont before we moved out here, I was making uh, gears for can openers and assembling gears for can openers, <laughs> assembling can openers. And most of my uh, working life has been building things. But you don't only build things, you design them to look amazing. Like you have this eye for details, but also I'm guessing a vision. You need to imagine where you're going with building this dog or this spaceship, right? So I really appreciate the end results of what you do. So if you don't mind, we'll even put a picture on the show notes in balloonartistpodcast.com of your setup. Let's talk a little bit about that. What is your current setup for twisting balloons? My current setup is the, the balloon rocket. It's a four foot tall cardboard tube. The whole rocket's not uh, cardboard, but the tube is. It's uh, PVC, wood, cardboard. The top is just a, a regular bouncy ball that I got at the dollar store. It has lights in it, flashy lights from just the simple dollar store wands that I've cut apart. Actually, the, the lights that I use the most in the fin section are neolunes that uh, the batteries died, so I took them apart and soldered the uh, just the LEDs together and hardwired them. So if you look on my uh, Facebook, the Twisty Dog Facebook page, and you see the rocket with the pink lights and the little globes on the fins, that's uh, those are all neolunes inside of a pink tube. The whole rocket just holds my uh, 260s and the pump, and then it all goes together. with I have a uh, the rocket rides on a, uh, a little cart that holds all the rest of my balloons, which I put in uh, little totes. They're uh, totes that I got at uh, the Michael's Craft Store. And they're just little snap-locked, little teeny tiny ones to hold my rounds. And so it's all, it's not color-coded, but it's all brightly colored. And I've got them all labeled and it keeps everything organized. 
And that's something that you roll into an event or you need to carry it? Oh, no, it rolls. It rolls. Nowadays, you do private events like birthdays and corporate key picnics and stuff like that with the rocket, the balloon rocket. So how often do you hear from your customers something that makes you understand that the balloon rocket is big reason why they chose to work with you on top of other twisters? It's not so much that, you know, that the rocket is the only reason they chose me, but whenever I'm set up, wherever I'm at, if I'm doing a line work thing for a city park or if I'm just wherever I'm at, it's always, wow, that rocket's crazy. You know, where did you get that? You built that? And it's, it's a large attraction. How often does it happen to you? that kids want to, or kids or adults want to take a picture with the rocket? Oh, all the time. They're always all the time. It, yeah. I yeah. can imagine that. Oh, man, guys, uh, if you never saw Trip's balloon rocket, you need to stop the car right now and go to balloonartistpodcast.com and take a look at uh, this episode and see the pictures. It's really that good. It's, it just makes your eye goes whoa, and your jaw go drop and just beautiful. So tell me, Trip, how do you learn balloons? Obviously, you're good with hardware and building stuff, but what about the balloon side? How did you learn to improve? Because your balloons are good, right? You're not doing doggies anymore. Tell us your journey in the balloon land. So I made the canine and turned him into a balloon machine, a balloon pump, and uh, went on YouTube and looked for a balloon dog tutorial. You know, there's single balloon dog. There's the just the loopy head method and loopy legs. And I just didn't like that. It's simple, but it looks just, it doesn't look right. So, you know, I found the one with, you know, actual like, I don't know what you call it, seven link, the classic balloon dog. And I learned that. And then I was, you know, there's so many others that I was like, well, okay, I got to learn a few other things. Primarily, I would say Michael Floyd, Holly Hopper, Balloon Sage, there's just one after another that I think for the most part, Michael Floyd and Holly were the ones that I stuck with when I first started, just because I liked their style of video and how they explain things. And their designs were cute, neat, fun, but not overly, when I was starting out, they weren't super hard to like, wow, I'm not going to spend an hour trying to do that. These days, do you also can point into some of the things that you do with balloons and say, hey, I changed this and that. And so like those are already like trip originals or things that have evolved so much far away from the original tutorial that you feel you are making stuff that are your own. I don't want to say that they're my own only because I've only been doing this for a couple of years. So I, and there's so many artists and that have been doing it for so long that I could have come up with a design that I feel is my own, but it might be the same thing that somebody else designed 20 years ago I've never seen. So I'm really hesitant to say that any design is mine. The only thing I definitely will say is I claim as mine is my space dog. It's not anything that anybody else couldn't do. It's just, I don't think it's anybody, anything that anybody else has done, uh, you know, to put a dog head print inside of a clear balloon and then give it a body and, and ears. And I, but it's not overly original. Don't worry. This is 
the nature of balloon art is that someone else can invent the same thing somewhere else, but your handwritten style, like your style in your hand, is going to be your own, even if someone else has some tendencies that are the same. All of the greatest authors in the history of mankind, they all used words. And sometimes they used the sentence, I love you. How corny. But in the context of a specific artist, that might mean totally different. So in the context of me meeting you in a gig, watching the balloon rocket, watching the way you dress, watching the balloons you make, and then seeing the balloon astronaut, I guess, then it's totally trip. It's a trip experience. That's really cool. So you started with YouTube and with all the leading uh, channels like uh, the Twister Sister with Ollie and with Balloon Animals and Balloon Sage, all really good channels and really good sources of information. Have you ever been to a balloon convention? Not yet. That would be a trip to meet you there. So do you also have a, a day job these days? No, I'm still a stay-at-home dad trying to get everything working for my business to try to take it to the next level. Right now, I'm just me being me, going to be a uh, licensed business in the state within the next week, get insurance, get a website, get things so the tax man can actually track me. Congratulations with that. I mean, every time you pay taxes is a sign that you're making money. So at least that. And that's interesting. So Trip, what is your goals for the next, I don't know, six months, one month, one year? What do you think you'll be a year from now? Wow. Uh, you know, I don't know a year from now. I, I know where I kind of want to be, but <sighs> there's two big things in my way. Um, one is me. I tend to be a procrastinator and ADHD, so I get focused on the wrong thing sometimes. Focused on coming up with some balloon creation for a Facebook page and forget to, you know, make phone calls and uh, <laughs> do the actual uh, stuff that needs to be done. What I'd really like to get into is doing the bigger decor stuff. I've done some just trees and whatnot, but I'd like to do some of the bigger, kind of crazy costumes and that kind of thing for people. I'm open for all sorts of things. Well, I understand that. And I, I think it will be very interesting to see even six months from now or, or a year from now to see what types of projects you're involved in and uh, to see where you grow with this in your journey. Hey, uh, do you have uh, other balloon artists in your area that you collaborate with? In my area, I'm fortunate enough to uh, have the one and only John Gonzalez. And there's a bunch of other twisters. Racine, Alex, Randy, there's a, a whole bunch of twisters in my area that we get together and jam and I work with. So we haven't done anything like collaborative yet, like a big project, but it would be nice to do that at some point. It sounds like a, a big opportunity with talented people around you to do that. That, that makes sense to me. You're really now in the beginning stage of building yourself as a business with incorporating next week, getting a license basically and, and paying the insurance fees and that's useful. And after you have a business, that's when you need to do some marketing as well and have some marketing assets so that you can show people so that you can sell all of that jazz. And then later on, you know, the balloons become 
one of the ways that you make money with your business and that can grow further on. So I just want you to always remember, Trip, the way you started with creativity and with looking at people and understanding what they want. Like that moment, that defining moment where you were disheartened because the kids kept asking, what else can it do? That moment, actually, it has the potential to make you into a successful businessman because you listened. And listening to the people and understanding what they want, your audience, your customers base, your potential customers, understanding what they really want and what type of experience they want to have, that is going to be way, way more beneficial. The fact that you're tuned to it than learning five more designs or something like that. I know it's hard to see it now, but I think that if you keep listening to what your customers want and what will make them happier with your balloon rocket, with the way that you do balloons, with the way that you structure your services, that's uh, going to help you grow and expand. So I'm excited for you. I really love the way you present your balloons. It actually is something that puts a lot of respect into what we do as balloon artists. Thank you. With that said, I want to ask you about your relationship with your daughter and balloons. How does she react to the fact that daddy is doing balloons? Well, you know, when I got started, of course, she loved balloons and she still loves balloons. She loves dogs more than anything. Whenever doing something, if I make a balloon dog, then she wants the balloon dog. But at this point, it's... Um, it's far enough along that it's kind of lost that golden glow. They're neat for the first few hours. And then eh, she just puts them off on her desk. And it's not something that she's super into. She does know how to do her own. You know, She knows how to make a, a single balloon dog. And I've tried to get her to do, to learn other things. But she just kind of likes to jam stuff together and make her own wild creations when I bring her to jam. So at some point, she'll, uh, I know she'll, get a little more structured and actually want to know, okay, how do these little twist things work? And how do I, what's this, how do I make that part work right? Instead of just loops and twists, random twists here and there. I know how it feels with my daughter being at the same age and at the same level. And they start with just playing with it. Like they play with slime and just because the material is interesting. Your daughter loves uh, balloon dogs. Do you want to learn a, a one balloon dog that is different, just a different design? I've got several one balloon dog designs. She sticks with the classic oh. balloon dog. And, and I keep trying and I'm like, oh, come on, I'll show you how to do the, the wiener dog or the bulldog. Or, and nah, just, you know, it's, it's not yeah. her thing. She's yeah. not ready to focus on it yet. Do you have any plans for going to a convention in the future or is it more like the money is not there yet? Yeah, I'd love to go to some conventions. Definitely is a, a money to just say, okay, I got, I'm going to take this much time and this much money and go. Yeah, it's not there yet. It's not really a possibility. I'd like to say next year it'll be a possibility only because I think with the way things have been going, I'll be there as far as having money saved aside for that kind of thing. Plus, then I'll actually have a business so I can use it as a business expense instead of just taking it out of my pocket. And the other thing is, 
this is going out to whoever sets up these conventions that Seattle would be a great place to have one. <laughs> the Pacific Northwest could use a convention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know how you feel. Uh, we need to fly Atlantic flight, like, like fly over the, the ocean to get to the cool conventions. You're lucky you're just a $100 flight ticket away. We need to pay a thousand. But I know what you mean. Uh, the Canadians feel the same. They have like, they just don't have conventions that are big and meaningful right now. So I definitely hope that you'll reach there next year. I think it's just around the corner. Time flies really fast in the balloon land and you just grow and get exposed to new ideas and new people and new friends. And like the balloon family is real and is waiting for your trip to meet face to face when you're ready. Trip, it's been lovely to chat with you and to get to know you a little bit. You are very inspiring. I want you to keep up. Let us know how you are on Facebook as always. And if there's anything I can do to help you, let me know as well. This is really cool stuff that you're doing right now. And I wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you for uh, having me on and uh, let me talk. And uh, thank you. And uh, thank you guys for listening for the Balloon Artist Podcast. See you guys next week where we will have uh, another interview with an emerging star like Trip Jensen. Thanks. I hope you've enjoyed this interview with Trip Jensen. Here's what I take from the interview with Trip. It's this idea that... Your art can be expressed in so many ways. It can be with your rig. It can be with the story. It can be with the way you interact with the kids. It can be with your costume. And it can be, you know, with the actual balloons. And Trip chose all sorts of ways to become Trip Johnson. And it's going to be an amazing trip to watch Trip proceed in his journey because it's just so unique. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And I'm excited to see you next week in episode 8 of the Balloon Artist Podcast. Quick request, if you haven't done that yet, go to the Balloon Artist Facebook group. Join us and see what's going on there because there's a party going on in the Balloon Artist Facebook group. We share a lot of information and tips and uh, we can help you proceed in your journey to become a balloon boss. Thank you and see you next week. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Season 7, Episode 7, and it's the tip section. Now, the tip from today is actually from a different world, and the tip is related to date night. Date night is something that we learn about it from popular culture. It's, it's this idea that uh, you go on a date with your spouse once a week. And this is something that I've noticed is super critical to your success in anything you do in your art, in your business, and obviously in your relationship with your spouse. And it's something that I actually have become such a believer in, such a practitioner that I've eventually, you know, one thing led to another and I've started a podcast called The Generous Marriage Podcast. And the concept of the date night is like, it's a make or break type of things 
in your life you can actually do them in your home if you are uh, financially troubled by the concept of hiring a babysitter because some in some places babysitters charges as much as an hourly rate of a balloon artist in total so you can do a date in all sorts of ways here are three quick tips of how to improve your date night tip number one plan in your calendar schedule time to when you're going to decide when is the weekly date so for example every sunday have a task for yourself to talk with your spouse and to set up when in this week is the weekly date or in case it's in a regular day every time then just schedule it into your calendar as something that is very important that's tip number one and tip number two is every week talk with your spouse about what is going what you're going to do in this weekly date night try to plan i know it might sound trivial obviously you need to plan so that you'll get somewhere but try to have a discussion about maybe one thing that you're going to talk about in the date night on top of you know knowing that you're going to this coffee shop or to this movie or whatnot so just try to challenge yourself to plan the date night in a little bit more details tip number three that is really for for advanced users of this system of the date night is to have a date night also with your other family members for example your kids once a week i take one of my kids to a date night and then like the next week i'll take another kid and the next week i'll take uh, another kid and so like it's a rotation and we will go and just have some fun time it's not really a date night it's just a date but it's quality time and it forces us to to discuss stuff like what do you like to do what do i like to do and find some common ground and it's just beautiful it's just such an opportunity we entertainers even if we are part-timers we have this uh, luxury of controlling uh, our schedule uh, in certain levels and on other dates you know the more popular gig dates were, were not available for our families so actually putting an emphasis on the date night and on the date night with the kids as well is something that builds a bond and it's, it's very enjoyable and, and it creates a better connection and the funny thing is that it actually helps in your business and if you ever felt that you have some sort of a glass ceiling on top of you of how much you can make how much you can be successful there's a good chance that you don't have any ceiling you just don't invest enough in your partnership to get the support you need to actually overcome that glass ceiling that was the tip or tips from today if you want to learn more about that you can actually go to generousmarriage.com website and hear all about the generous marriage podcast it's nice it's free and it's refreshing and if you've enjoyed this tip please let me know go to the balloon artist facebook group and share your opinion there with me i'm very excited about meeting you again next week on the balloon artist podcast but it will actually be next year because you know uh, this is going live in the end of december so see you in 2019 balloon artist podcast nation